This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. Okay, here we are, Bain. Episode 9. See si, Numino Wave. And for all our Spanish viewers. We're recording a little bit earlier this week because the Robert Bain is off to a conference next week. Yeah, no, I'm, ex- I'm excited. We're in conference season, so I'll be uh, doing some, some conferences and going to see. This is actually one of my favorite ones that I'm going to and happens to be in the city. Uh, I'm going to see a ton of friends uh, from previous roles that I've been in and. Um, I went to the same conference last year. There was about 1,100 attendees. I saw the roster for this one this year, and there's over 3,000 attendees. What's the conference on? Uh, it's called Freight Waves Live. Uh, so it's about logistics. Live. Live. Uh, Monday, Monday, Monday. So, yeah, so it's basically all about logistics and supply chain, and, and specifically the topic of uh, of this one is going to be focused around logistics tech and freight tech. Uh, so really excited to see that and kind of how that uh, is evolving. There's a lot of big players that are going to be there talking about how they're you know, making things happen, and then there's going to be a lot of folks demoing their new products and trying to get you know in with companies like myself and and others. So, really excited to kind of see what uh, what I pull out of that. So, so they're going to be debuting their robot trucks. Uh, so, no, so those are already there. I can go on a whole segment on that, but no, autonomous you know commercial vehicles are already being tested in West Texas, in Florida, uh, and Arizona um, by a variety of companies: Waymo, Uber, um, Skynet. Ones. It, it, yeah, basically. Uh, it, it, I, again, I'm not going to try to get totally into the whole work thing, but yeah, so that stuff is already kind of going. And I will say, as we said, I think it was two or three episodes ago, you will never see a fully autonomous, they call level five autonomous vehicle where there is no human in the vehicle. It's not going to happen on the roads. Okay. It's not going to happen. So anyway, that said, going to see a lot of really cool stuff, a lot of the, uh, the new tech out there, and uh, very excited for that. And all the various free trinkets and things that I will get from said conference, uh, just like every, any trade show conference, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. Hopefully, I come away with a full with a uh, you know autonomous tractor just to come park in the par- in the parking lot. Right. So, any feedback from last week, Bane? I know it's actually only as of the recording of this episode, it's only been about three or four days. Yeah, it's been a couple of days, but just generally speaking, we've got a lot of folks that are talking to me. They're listening to the podcast, and they're just they're liking it. They like the rhythm. They like the flow. They, they enjoy the topics. I think the uh, the history lesson that came uh, with our latest episode uh, was pretty well received. Again, a lot of people just don't know these things. They know that powerlifting has a history and strength has a history, but they just don't know it. And so I think it was great to kind of lay all that out there and, and allow people to kind of start uh, you know going down their own rabbit hole and figuring out you know what they want to know more about. I don't know about you. What are you what are you hearing? Yeah, similar. Um, I mean, there is no book at this point on powerlifting history. And so a lot of this stuff I've just learned through being around it, talking to people, um, internet message boards back in the day. So the history of strength, uh, strength and anger. There you go. Exactly. So you've already kind of talked about what's going on with you. You got a conference coming on, yeah. uh, coming up next week. Anything yeah. else that's going on? Uh, you know, I'm back to training uh, on the weekends, which is exciting. So uh, kind of started to ramp up and get ready for 2020. Uh, you know, make at least one more run at uh, AWPC Worlds, and, and this one's going to be in Ireland, so I'm very excited for that. Uh, what about you? What do you got going on right now? So we've got uh, two meets coming up in the next two weekends. Have you had enough powerlifting meets in your life in the last two months, Seriously. Man? <laughs> I've got a weekend off this one. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, we've got our intro to powerlifting, which is probably, gosh, at this point, the sixth or seventh time we've run a sanctioned intro slash beginners meet. Nice. Um, and we ran a couple prior to that that were unsanctioned, and we've done a couple others between there that have been non-sanctioned seminar how, onlys. How many? So, so for the sanctioned meets, how many total lifters have come through there? During those those, do you know off the top of your head or no? I mean, it's probably over two hundred at this point. That's awesome. That's I mean, that's very exciting. That's a lot of new lifters. I mean, just last year alone, uh, I know we had the beginners meet and the intro meet, both of which sold out and had to add an extra day. That's amazing. And so each of them probably had in the neighborhood of fifty lifters, mm-hmm. and so we probably had a hundred new lifters last year. That's awesome. And we, this is again, this is probably this year is probably the maybe the third year we've been doing these mm-hmm. sanctioned right. um the, we had actually two in the spring we mm-hmm. had one that sold out and we had to add another one um this one we had a few additional people that wanted to get on not quite as many it did sell out right. but we just didn't have such an overwhelming interest that we needed to add an extra day um we had probably had six seven eight people on the waiting list and many of those were female and we kind of just had them wait until our women's Intro to Powerlifting, which we'll be having in January mm-hmm. with myself and my wife, Jackie, leading into our Women's Empowerment Meet in February. Nice. Nice. So same concept, but split into two events versus this one is a sanctioned meet and a seminar. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then, and we've, then, and then. And then we've got our Midwest Equipped Open, first mm-hmm. ever. Um, not a big meet, probably about 20 lifters, but lifters from all over the place. I mean, all over the Midwest, I should say. I mean, yeah. we've got Iowa, Ohio, Wisconsin, Illinois, Pennsylvania. Nice. So a, a wide variety of states. Um, so that's coming up as well. Um, and then? And then, yeah, I've got a new training program I started this Ooh. week. Kind of beta testing a, a hybrid of my usual. Don't you mean alpha testing? Uh, I guess on my, if it's on myself, is it alpha testing? Unless you identify as a beta. <laughs> alpha slash beta testing um i don't know that's a Sorry, good question. that was a terrible dad that's, joke that, that's a good question uh but it's kind of a hybrid between my normal stuff which has been periodization 1020 life and mm-hmm. a little bit of conjugate mm-hmm. in there not quite a, i'm not going to say it's a west side program but definitely some max effort dynamic effort work with my own spin on it so nice. if it works well i'll roll it out to some other people um if it sucks then at least it was only wasted on me there you go there you go. Just try to suck less, please. <laughs> yep. So let's uh, let's go on to our, our second week of our segment, What is Bullshit? <laughs> Bane? Podcasts are bullshit, man. And, and here, I'm actually going to explain why this is. Pretty happened. ironic. It is. I mean, literally, look at us. Literally anybody can start a freaking podcast. And if, if you look on the landscape, you know, podcasting used to be this uh, this thing where only either the super nerdy did or those who were super in touch with, you know, tech and, you know, now literally anybody that has a phone can plug their earphones in. They can get onto uh, a variety of apps and they can upload to iTunes, to uh, Spotify, to all these different platforms. And it's not bad, don't get me wrong, but it's bullshit because it's like, okay, it's it's like YouTube. Any, anything out there is just you, you can toss it on there. If I want to make a video of my kid picking his nose, I can do that. I can stick it on YouTube. It'd be funny, but you can do it. There's literally parents that upload videos of their kids doing maybe not quite as menial things as picking their nose that are making millions of dollars on YouTube right they, now. They are. They are. I mean, dude, there is a woman who makes millions of dollars and has a TV show on, uh, I think it's A&E or Discovery, of popping pimples. 
Oh, Dr. S- Dr. Pimple Popper. Dr. Sandra? Yes. Oh, I love her YouTube I, videos. I also do. <laughs> it's, a, it's a guilty pleasure I have. Uh, dilated pour of whiner. Um, so yeah, podcasts are bullshit because anybody can do it. And it, it's none of them are really that special. When you really think about it, it's just people sitting there. It, like us, we're literally sitting here talking. Right. Well, don't you think the cream rises to the top eventually? You'd like to think so. And, I mean, to some degree, it's, you know, we can niche things out more than in the past. If you wanted to hear people talking, it was basically only on the radio because you needed specialized equipment. And, right. You know, specialized microphones, and now you can buy anything on Amazon, and you can download an app for literally anything. Yep. I mean, and here we are. We've got probably a couple hundred dollars worth of equipment yeah, here. Yeah, we've got a decent setup here with the mics and the soundboard and everything. But, again, right. it's just one of those really silly things to me that, you know, podcasts are bullshit. Okay, well, fair. Yeah. Uh, this, this is how I get fired. You say anything you want on your last day. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go on a random tangent like you did last week with Batman. Uh, hand dryers are bullshit. Hand dryers. You know, like hand dryers in the bathroom. Okay. Like, you know, we had the guy from a couple week ago, weeks ago at Dried Hands. How many followers does that have? Uh, not many. I mean, each 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 post has about one or two likes. Okay. Look them up. So but, not, not a ton of engagement You know what? There. Hand dryers are bullshit, and here's, here's why. A, are they really better for the environment? Because they have to use electricity. And where does that electricity come from? And I would think producing paper towels requires minimal electricity. Yeah. It has to be biodegradable. A, You'd think that. B, most hand dryers are not very hot, and you have to sit there for about 10 minutes, and then you still leave the bathroom with your hands slightly wet. Right. And thirdly, you need something to wipe off the crap that you just, like, wiped with soap, and you're missing a piece of the cleaning process when you're using hand dryers. So, That's fair. So F hand dryers. I hate <laughs> hand dryers. When we moved into 2XL, all we had was hand dryers, and I said, no, I don't care if it saves us money. I'm going to pay the money as part of the business to get paper towel dispensers and buy, you know, albeit cheap paper towels, because I effing hate drying my hands with hand dryers. But what about the air blades? No, Yeah, and I've seen those, but 50% of the time, they're broken down in the places that have them. And those do work really well if they're actually working. If they're working. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. Hand dryers are bullshit. Right. Exactly. Duly noted. You know what? Actually, no. Here's my my take on hand dryers. I I don't like them because previous to any powerlifting, you know, I I had a, we'll call it a serviceable gym membership at the YMCA. And it is very true that old men in the locker room at the YMCA use hand dryers for all kinds of god-awful things. For the females, and I'm sure our audience is probably more males Uh, than females. We can look up the stats of like where people are listening. Yeah. It's majority Chicago, majority Illinois. Yep. Um, but for the females that are listening, it is true. I've told this to my clients before, and they're mm-hmm. shocked. Old dudes go to like, well, they're not going to go in the locker room. I think they could well, after what we're going to talk about later, maybe. Yep. <laughs> but, but dudes will tell you this. Go to the locker room at the local YMCA or like health health club yes and there'll be at least a couple dudes walking. And, and the richer the area the more this happens right they'll be walking around the locker room naked and they'll be using the hand dryers to dry off their balls yep i mean and i've told this to females and they're like what dudes do that yep yes. i've seen guys bend over and spread their cheeks to dry off i've seen guys that just literally stand under there with the no towel the towel is over their shoulder and they're just doing about a, they're like an oscillating fan just back and forth <laughs> with the hand the first time I saw this, because I, as a kid, we used to go to a, quote, health club that had, like, a tiny little weight room, mm-hmm. and it was truly an 80s, quote, health club with, like, a gigantic locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, 
racquetball courts, a pool, you know, sauna, all that stuff. And like a very small weight and fitness area. That was like right. a tennis court. That was like an afterthought. Right. But yeah, places like that, you will almost always find an old dude drying his balls with hand dryers. Yep. So and another reason why hand dryers are bullshit. Get rid of them. They will also come up and talk to you while they're naked. It's freaking weird. I, I don't I don't get that. I mean, we're about the same age, band. Yeah. At what age does it become acceptable that like you can just walk around naked? Like, I know my dad talks... In, in a public setting? Well, and it's funny. It's my dad, past 38 for me, I'll tell you yeah. that. My dad talks about there was a time when, like, it was modus operandi that you had... If you had, like, swimming in school, that it was just naked. You didn't have swimming suits. And maybe that was, like, the era before him. But, uh, yeah, he said it was single gender swimming in gym class. And you did... How, how appropriate. <laughs> how appropriate for today's topic. Yes. I, I, no, man. Just No. No, 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 all the no, fuck no, no. <laughs> that is a thing, though. And I've told females this, and they just don't believe me. But ask if any females listening, if you have a husband who's about our age or older, just ask him if he's ever been to a health club yep. and ask him what old dudes do with hand dryers. Yep. And, and ask them about the, the how much nudity they see. Just just ridiculous. It, it is, man. Like, Eric, I like you, man. You, no one gets a free show. <laughs> no one. My wife paid with four kids. That's why she gets that. So, yeah, right, right. anyway, so let's go on to the topic at hand today. Yeah. Uh, I would say, arguably, our most controversial topic to date, for sure. Uh, to date, um, I don't know the WPO those high squats. They were they were pretty controversial. Yeah, but that's just powerlifting politics. <laughs> now we're going to be delving into. Well, we're, we're tr- I, I'm going to try to stay away from politics. Politics because I don't think that fits in with the context of the show pretty much not there is some intersection between politics and what we're going to talk about but it really doesn't matter as far as that goes so as the title says we're going to talk about trans athletes in powerlifting yep so what i'm what we're going to start with is i did a little research on you know not really a, an all-out history of trans athletes in sports and in powerlifting but you know kind of the highlights some highlights of you know, when it started to be legislated, mm-hmm. and then some notable cases related, especially to powerlifting. Because, I mean, if we opened this up to high school sports and other sports, I mean, we could spend four hours talking about all the different things that have happened. Yep. So let's go back to 2003. This is when the IOC, the International well, Olympic but Committee. Before we dive into all this, yes. We're going to do everything we can to make this as fact based and as presentational as possible. This is not a, a knock. This is not a dig. This is not us going after anybody who may be a part of this community. This is just us presenting this topic. And then we will talk and we'll answer some questions and give opinions. But again, this is not an attack on any individual or group of people. So I want to be very clear about that. Well, and yeah, that's a good preface. And I would also add that I'm of the belief, and I, I don't want to speak for Bane, but I think he's probably also of the belief that Consenting adults can basically do whatever they want as long yep. as it doesn't hurt anybody else. Correct. So, and that also means they can have a difference of opinion on things. Agreed. That's what, it, that's what an adult does. Right. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's a no, very no. important piece to, to No, but I, yeah, as, as far as trans individuals, not my business. Nope. So uh, 2003, International Olympic Committee, uh, they rule that if a trans individual would like to compete in the Olympics, in Olympic sports, mm-hmm. they had three qualifications. They must have gone through gender reassignment surgery. And this would have been, uh, for my understanding, full top and bottom surgery. So not just... Earthing. Right. Uh, they have to show legal recognition of their new gender. Okay. 
So they have to have somehow gone to whatever government entity they're under, which... So, a, so their government also has to recognize correct. the reassignment. This is the 2003 ruling. Yep. And the third one is they have to have gone through some kind of hormone replacement therapy for at least two years. Okay. So that was the 2003 ruling. In 2004, that would have been the first time that trans athletes were eligible to participate in the Olympics. Okay. I didn't see anything on how many did. Um, there hasn't been a lot even now. No, there really has not been. So 2015, so just four years ago, um, the IOC changes and uh, takes away. The first thing took away was that legal recognition because I think they recognized that there were certain governments, maybe about, if you talk just pure numbers of countries, probably like 75% of the countries in the mm -hmm. world probably don't believe that somebody could even be trans. I mean, that's that's true. We probably not probably we have countries where it's illegal to be homosexual. Correct. And certainly uh, to be a trans person would definitely be illegal in those types of countries. Correct. Um, so and they also took away the need for any kind of surgery um, there. And this is the current uh, definition or the current requirement, I guess it would be mm -hmm. to compete in the Olympics. Um, you just need four years of, quote, declaration. So for four years, you need to have declared your new gender. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to quote, demonstrate a testosterone level of less than 10 nanomoles per liter for at least one year prior to competition and throughout the period of eligibility, unquote. Okay. For context, the average male, and this is according to a scientific journal. I can't remember the reference, but I could post it if need be. The average male is going to average between 9.2 to 31.8 nanomoles per, per liter. Okay, so that's the average male. And okay. let's bear in mind that Olympic athletes are not average. No. The average female is going to be 0.3 to, to 2.4. 0.3 to 2.4 nanomoles per liter. That is a distinct difference right and th the requirement that had been set in 2015 by the ioc is 10 mm -hmm. less than 10 i should say less than 10 so which would be on the low end for an average male would still be three to four times an average female mm -hmm. bear in mind we're not talking about average people here um, yep. if you're in the olympics you're not average and this is related but kind of an aside um if i ever was a college professor and had the ability to do some research, uh, a research topic I would love to look into would be what is the testosterone levels of your high-level female athletes? having and, and male. I would like, I'd like to see both. Yeah, I, I would think it'd be more, for me, I guess, I mean, sure, it'd be interesting for both. I think it would be more interesting for females. Sure. Um, just to look at how they compare to your average female. Mm -hmm. I in the previous job I worked with a lot of high level volleyball players and gosh, they're just goons. I mean, I mean that in a good way because mm -hmm. they weren't unattractive or anything, but you could just tell. I mean, they're thick they're thighs, thick yeah. hips, wider shoulders, tall, they're taller, long limbs, right. big long, hands. Right, you know, leaner naturally. Yep. Um it would be interesting to look at like division 1 female Track athletes, basketball players, volleyball players. There's gymnasts, to be another one I'd be very interested to see. Sure. What is their testosterone level relative to your, quote, average, even just compared to their contemporaries, college student? Yep. No, I would agree with that. Okay. This does bring up the, the question, and this is, to me, one of the key questions of this whole topic. What 
does it mean to transition? Quote, what is transitioning? Yes. And so that's a huge piece of this. And I'm not going to answer that right now. We're going to we're going to come back to that, but you can see how the IOC has ruled on it from a sport perspective. Initially, it was surgery, legal, and HRT. Yep. Now it essentially it is just HRT mm-hmm. for one year. Yeah. Or you probably would have to start the HRT prior because it it's probably you have to be tested within a year out of competition. Yeah, so, so you, to, you, to hit those levels, you would need to. Definitely. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know how long it would take, but it wouldn't be immediate. Right. Okay, so let's go into some of the, you know, incidents or cases related to trans athletes yeah, and this powerlifting. Person, this first one's going to trigger the hell out of me. So this first one is probably, I would say, the most notable, mm-hmm. and it would be J.C. Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, J.C. Cooper was an individual who was a male transitioned to a female Mm -hmm. and wanted to compete in powerlifting. Yep. So she applied for a TUE or a therapeutic use exemption Mm -hmm. um, under USAPL rules for her, uh, you know, basically transitioning hormone therapy medication. Right. Um, And this would have been back... Sometime in the fall, this was for a meet to be set to be in February of 2019, the Michigan State meet, as I understand it. Uh, it was Minnesota. I'm sorry, what did I say? Michigan. Oh, yes. Minnesota. Yeah, another, another M state. Right. Um, she was denied the TUE in December 2018. Right. So uh, according to the articles I read, the USAPL had essentially followed IOC guidelines since 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't even think anybody had even talked about this prior to 2003, 2004. And I, I certainly, I'd never even considered it as far as powerlifting would have been concerned. No, I, I don't honestly always heard of this as like something, it, it was almost like a horror story I would hear about in like third world countries where a, you know, boy was kidnapped and then basically a backyard surgery was done and they were sold into, into sex slavery. I know that's a very heavy thing. I'm not trying to get into all that, but that's the only way I'd even heard of the transitioning process, anything even close to it. Sure. I'd heard, I mean, in the past, I think I'd heard it called transsexuals, um, not transgenders mm-hmm. or trans individuals. Right. Um, but nonetheless, JC uh, applied to compete in the meet and was denied. Correct. Um, I believe from my research, uh, Cooper had competed in a USPA and, if you go back to our episode last week, mm-hmm. USAPL the is Alphabet Soup. Yeah, the Alphabet Soup of Powerlifting. USAPL, the IPF affiliate, so the one that is not in the Olympics but is the most closely, you know, aligned with Olympic protocols, mm-hmm. is completely drug tested slash in their mind drug free. USPA, uh, at least primarily, is drug uh, not tested. They do have a drug tested division that's mm-hmm. they've started, but most USPA meets are non tested. So right. Cooper was allowed to compete in the USPA, uh, but was not allowed to compete in this USAPL Minnesota State meet. Uh, this was publicized on a number of, we'll just say websites, um, publications. Websites, pages. Uh, uh, a congresswoman, uh, Omar, in mm-hmm. Minnesota, mm-hmm. brought this up kind of in the national scene. Mm-hmm. Um, there were protests at the Minnesota State meet. And individuals that had already paid for the meet mm-hmm. showed up and just timed out on all nine of their lifts. Correct. Well, three of them. 
Uh, I thought it was all nine, but I could be wrong. Well, you'd be, you'd be you would have bombed after the squats, would you not? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I could go back and look at the results. I thought I remembered that uh, they, and I, I thought that as well. Like, why would you even go past the squat? Technically, once you bomb in one lift, you're done. Yeah. Maybe. But I, I thought they had, maybe they just did the three squats. We, we can, we can certainly look at yeah. that. It, it, not that that's, you know. That part's immaterial. Yeah, right. That's part of the material. But they, they stood there with signs that says, you know, you know, hashtag, uh, share Inclusion the platform. or share yeah, it. Right. Whatever, share the platform. Yeah. Right. So th- they protested by, they'd already paid for their entry. And they were just going to time out during their lifts to show their protests. I'll be honest. You were allowed as an adult to choose how you protest certain things. This, to me, was a dumb way to protest. And here's why. The USAPL, at the end of the day, here's what they care about. They care about the lifters. They care about the lifting experience and growing their, growing their business, right? The business of powerlifting for them. In this case, raw drug-tested lifting. And here's what this did. You had athletes that didn't total, that really didn't waste any time. They, they, you know, the judges didn't have to do anything. They just sat back, and they still got their money. To me, you didn't really – you made yourself hurt in a sense, but no one was talking about you to you. And then on top of all that, this is, I don't think it was in here, but I remember this distinctly, is uh, – so Gino, uh, the voice of the USAPL, he does all the um, – Pirate Man. Pirate Man, yes. So he was there at that meet. And he refused to announce these people when they came up and they protested. Now, that was his choice. And he just got ripped on social media for that. So to me, that doesn't show that you're looking for an attitude of inclusion. You're just a social justice warrior who wants to make a scene and throw a tantrum. So you're not really trying to have you know justice for JC. You just want to feel like you're special and you're an idiot. Counterpoint. And I'm not saying I disagree. That's fine. Counterpoint. I've already entered the meet because we know how meets in this day and age sell mm-hmm. out. Yep. And I know that powerlifting is big in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the I corresponded with the meet director, mm-hmm. um, Jim Cahill, literally the day after this meet. Right. Um, because him and I have been, quote, friends on social media. I've done the Relentless Meets up in Minnesota. There's mm-hmm. a pretty good relationship between um, the Relentless folks who run UPA meets, mm-hmm. even the folks that run APF meets, and the USAPL folks in Minnesota. They're, they all have a pretty, and even USPA, they all have a pretty cooperative relationship up there. Sure. Um, let's say I signed up for the meet six months in advance, mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything about this, and I'm the type of person that believes a trans individual should be able to compete, so they already have my money. And now I learn about this situation, and they already have my money, so there's nothing I can do about that. There's no refunds for meet. Sure. So, to promote my cause, I'm just going to time out. And I do think it probably did bring notoriety or it, it brought attention. Notoriety is not the right word. It certainly brought attention to that contest and to the issue. And, I, and I'm fine with the attention. That part I'm okay with. It's then when you start saying if somebody disagree with you that they're dumb or they're terrible, like I just said, you're an idiot, that, that's where I get a little hung up because, again, you're you're – you're using the platform of this person who is trans not being able to compete as a way to get attention. That That is how I viewed it, and that I did not like. Okay, I, I completely agree that they, there is an opportunity for inclusion. I don't know if the USAPL is it because, to me, their message is drug-free lifting. They talk it's all on the T-shirts, everything there. You distinctly know that a person who is transitioning or has transitioned is not drug-free. Sure. So, so it's, <clears throat> to me, fairly on message. So that, that brings us to our next point, which is the USAPL's mm-hmm. uh, 
policy on trans athletes, which to be fair, I'm not sure until this situation came up was a public policy. Um, I believe it was the timeline that I saw was after this incident with Cooper, Mm -hmm. uh, they released, now they might've had an internal policy. I don't know. Um, but they did not have a publicly stated policy on trans athletes that I know of. And if I'm wrong, uh, at me to XL powerlifting and you can correct (laughs) the record. Um, so in fact, they had the USAPL equipped nationals here at, in Lombard, you know, literally a stone's throw from the gym in May. And this was right around when this situation was going on. I remember talking with some mm-hmm. of the officials that came here and lifted, um, or that were just officials, and they had Dr. Chris Hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to look up the testimony that they used, I've watched parts of it. I, it, it was extensive, too, yeah, was it not? Yeah, it was very extensive. It was probably a 90-minute presentation or more. Yeah. had a lot of science behind it. it. It's beyond the context of this podcast. Let's just suffice to say that Dr. Chris Hunt is of the opinion that a trans individual, um, we'll, we'll start with male to female, mm-hmm. has a distinct advantage in drug-free competition mm-hmm. versus a biological female. That's Hunt's opinion, mm-hmm. supported by a lot of science. Yeah, as, as, it's, it was a lot of science. Like yeah. the, I, I did watch most of the testimony, and you're right, it's way out of the context to hear. And it was, I mean, I, Dr. Hunt got into a lot of the minutia of where the advantages would lie, uh, uh, almost down to the molecular level. Well, and <clears throat> again, we don't want to get into too much. No, uh, I'm trying not to. We don't to, want to get into too much minutiae here because we want to talk about its context powerlifting, but it's 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 related. I mean, it, yep. it, it, it's part of the discussion. Um, I mean, if you look at gestation, I think it's day 20 of after conception, mm-hmm. testosterone is you know introduced into males in differing levels than females. Right. And you know, Hunt and others would argue that from that time on, there is a distinct difference in the development, the fetal development, and later the you know development of the child right. from that point on. Right. And so the USAPL, um, and, and they released this policy before the testimony from Hunt at um, <clears throat> USAPL Open Nationals, which is their equipped nationals, mm-hmm. uh, but he reaffirmed their policy at that point because it was up for discussion mm-hmm. um, at their, basically their... Their, their rules meeting, their, their annual governing meeting, yes. Yep. But here was their policy. Male to female trans athletes are not allowed, period. Just End of discussion. Not allowed. Male or Female to male trans athletes are technically allowed, but they are not allowed to take HRT, meaning they cannot take testosterone to transition from female to male. So okay. ostensibly, you would just be a female competing in the male category. Which, unless you're Crystal Tate, you're probably going to lose. Right. Um, of note, the USAPL slash IPF slash, I, I don't know if it matters to the IOC because you're never going to have an older person competing generally in the Olympics. No. Generally, generally no. no, you might have some in the Olympic sports like track and field, but not in the Olympics. But your masters, and we're talking about lifters over the age of 40, mm-hmm. um, are not allowed to take HRT under the TUE policy, the therapeutic use exemption. So. Right. You could be a male who is 45 years old, 50 years old. Yep. Maybe you got married late at life, mm-hmm. and you'd like to have a baby with your maybe 10 years younger wife, mm-hmm. and you're having trouble because your testosterone levels are low. Yeah, because that happens when you get older. Yep, definitely happens. Or just for quality of life because you're feeling tired or your sex drive is down or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, wouldn't be allowed to compete USAPL. And I would say that's true of... As far as I know, I don't know this 100%. I know it's true of the AAPF. I know it's true of the USAPL. 
I don't believe there's any drug-tested organization that's allowed allows males to take HRT, which yeah. is basically testosterone, basically anabolic steroids, and that's maybe a dirty word, but I mean, just like just like anything, well, we're, we're not natty anymore. Oh darn! Right, just like anything, anabolic steroids are a drug that has does have medicinal use in addition to. A lot of recreational use. Yes, yes. In different, I, I, in much differing levels. I know a lot about those. So the issue here is that the it, it is perceived mm-hmm. and that the USAPL has gone against IOC guidelines. So the IOC guidelines we went through earlier. They are essentially are mm-hmm. that you need to have a certain testosterone level for at least one year prior to competition, and the USAPL is basically saying it doesn't matter what your testosterone levels are. Mm-hmm. If you were born a male, you cannot compete against females. And again, if you'd like to see the whole reasoning that Hunt and others Mm -hmm. have given for that, um, including what we talked about, testosterone introduced at gestation, testosterone, especially at puberty, Mm -hmm. uh, that is, I mean, gosh, if you've ever been around a a young male around the ages of 12 to 14, there is some. Yep. There's some, and Bane, I think, is right in that wheelhouse right now. So I got a 16 year old and 11 year old man. So. so you're on both sides of that. Oh man. There are, and Bane and I have both gone through it. There are some drastic changes that go on at puberty for males. There are. <laughs> okay, so here's a funny aside story, <laughs> uh, which is kind of related, and let's let's inject a little bit of levity to a serious topic. Did you say inject? <laughs> <laughs> so. You can hear my voices. I would say decently low. Sure. This is probably the same voice I had when I was 10 years old. So my voice changed very early. Wow. Uh, there's a video that I did in middle school where all the rest of my friends, you can hear them talking like, come on, guys, we need to redo all this. This is all crap. That video sucked. We need to redo it. And I'm, I'm videotaping. You hear, I mean, you hear me saying, do you want me to stop recording, guys? Uh, do, we, <laughs> do we need to redo that? I used to answer the phone, and gosh, kids who listen to this, yes, we used to have an actual phone that was connected to the wall or connected to a wire that you had to answer what? and sometimes not even know who it was on the other line. That's, uh, how did you live? Yeah, that was even before call ID. So I would pick up the phone, and telemarketers would start selling whatever it was to me, thinking mm-hmm. I was Mr. Stone. Yeah. Even a funnier story, my brother worked for this guy, and he was just doing like, you know, he had a big property, and he might have had a business, so he was doing like landscaping and odd handyman work. Mm-hmm. And the guy called... And fired my brother to me on the phone, thinking I was my dad. <laughs> and as a scared kid, and I was—I must have been like eleven years old. As a scared kid, he just keeps going on and on. I'm like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. And I remember him saying specifically, "I know you work your ass off at your job." And I'm like, uh, "I go to school, sir." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm in like sixth grade." I—I <laughs> I think mine, because I mean, I've got a pretty deep voice, and. Yeah. It it was probably I was like thirteen when it really like dropped like a few octaves and it was like okay so I always had kind of a raspier voice like if you've heard my youngest son Nolan talk a uh, little bit it, that was about what my voice sounded like till I was about eleven twelve thirteen and then same thing would happen like they call like oh and then, now the thing is, is my dad and I have the same name so we would have fun with that too like let me speak to Mr Bain this is he uh, Robert Bain yep <laughs> is, it's not are a, you a junior I am. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, so, but don't call you Junior. No, don't. It's Robert or Bain. How about Robert Bain Junior? My name is Robert Bain. 
Dad goes by Bruce, and that's how we do it. Oh, your dad doesn't go by Robert? Yeah, so uh, interesting story. So, you know, he's my grandparents named him, and uh, I, I don't really understand why. They named him Robert Bruce Bain. We, you know, our family way, way back is related to the Mackay clan, which descended from Robert the Bruce. He's the first king of Scotland. And it's really interesting. When I, when I handed my card over when I was in Scotland uh, last year, uh, you know, we went up there after uh, Worlds, and they looked at my name like, oh, you're part of the Mackay clan. Like, actually, yeah, how do you guys know that? But that's kind of known as far as the genealogy. Sure. So uh, she just very adamantly, like after my dad was a couple of days old, like his name is Bruce. Like, well, why didn't you just name him Bruce then? Like, I don't understand why you're calling him by his middle name. But yeah, my dad has always been known as Bruce. There are some people that do that, that go, they seem to just go by their middle name. Yeah. But my my grandmother decided this when he was like, I don't think he's out of the hospital yet. Wow. Interesting. And he's, he's been Bruce ever since. So, so, there, so there's a, there's an interesting aside on yeah. on uh, puberty and off to other topics. <laughs> yeah. So the USAPL stated that they believe that they can go against not against they believe they can be slightly altered from IOC guidelines because of a powerlifting is a pure strength sport which makes it different than other sports. B than weightlifting. Um. Yeah. I. I don't. I, as far as I know, weightlifting follows IOC guidelines. Yeah, but it's not uh, a strength I, sport I mean, apparently. Uh, it is definitely a strength sport. In fact, there's a. It's. I don't have this in my notes, but I know that there's a New Zealand or Australian weightlifter that was a male to female mm-hmm. who did compete in the Olympics. I don't believe that she won, but she yeah. at least won for her country, mm-hmm. won at their nationals. Um, they state that you know testosterone and bone density and bone structure mm-hmm. play a larger role in powerlifting than other sports. Generally speaking, I would. And agree. that. They state they believe the the way the guidelines are written, they do allow for some flexibility for individual sports. So that's yeah. their that's their rationale for their policy. And I also believe that I'm not sure that this is the policy that the IPF is following. As far as I know, I believe the IPF is following the IOC. And I, if you're getting confused on acronyms, IOC. The, the alphabet soup, there's right. so much. I mean, gosh, now we're adding an extra sports. IOC is International Olympic Committee. Right. IPF, International Powerlifting Federation, the international arm of the USAPL. Correct. I would say the USAPL rolls up to them is how I always have viewed sure. it. So, but yeah, yeah it, same same difference. So that is, that's the case of J.C. Cooper and the USAPL um, has probably been the most controversial case in powerlifting. And, and that one just, it, it gets me because I was... Involved in this in a previous podcasting life where I was attacked on social media for basically saying something similar where, like, listen, your your, your protest is more for your own attention versus attention to the matter at hand. Um, not going to name the person because I had to deal with that whole thing as well. Uh, but, yeah, so that, that one just gets in my crop pretty quick because, again, it just it was a whole thing that really was about those individuals, not about J.C. Cooper in my view. Sure, and there's a lot of political intertwining here with this topic. There, There is. There is. And we're going to get to some of that, not all of it. Okay, so let's go to one of the other probably more high-profile cases, mm-hmm. the case of Mary Gregory, okay. who competed at 100% Raw Worlds. Oh, my gosh, this is not even an organ. Did we mention 100% Raw last week? I, dude, there was so many. I don't like, think I don't think we did because this was an actual word and everything else is all acronyms. Right. Yeah, I don't think we did. But 100% Raw is another small regional organization. They did pop up around the early 2000s. Didn't use belts, do they? 
They do. That's why my brother and I love to hate on them because they're <laughs> <laughs> the name of them is 100% raw, but they allow belt, wrist wraps, I think even knee sleeves. <laughs> I know. My brother and I, one time, I think we're on a mess. They're the poor man's USAPL, basically. Right. It's just so funny because they called themselves 100% raw, but allow knee sleeves. And my brother and I just had to laugh because even the the APF at that time, when we were talking about this, didn't allow any kind of knee support. So we're like, well, how can you be 100% raw? So they're a small organization. Paul Bosey runs them. Um, again, I think they're an Eastern organization. seems like there's a lot of regional Eastern organizations. There's a lot of population density out there. That's a good point. Um, but it's a small organization, mm-hmm. and they were probably one of the early ones that adopted RAW along with the AAU originally, mm-hmm. the AAU offshoot. And we talked about this in our RAW episode, not yep. last week, but the AAU offshoot to ADAU, Anti-Drug <sighs> Athletes United, which was a very, very— Just do drugs. Small, it's so much easier to freaking do them. A small Pennsylvania-based organization, and 100% RAW, you know, came up there. I don't think they were necessarily related. Um of note, 100% Raw is a completely drug-tested organization. Okay. They do not have a non-tested division. So here's the good, numbers. Good Greg, for them. Gregory uh, did numbers of 314, mm-hmm. 233, and 424 in the 181-pound class. Okay. So uh, the headlines on many conservative uh, blogs, websites, Facebook mm-hmm. pages was that, you know, trans athletes breaks world records. Yep. Now... <laughs> If you go back to last week's episode, imagine all the organizations I went through, and then there's probably double that and maybe triple that. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Each organization has their own set of records, which, you know, makes sense. I mean, if, if you're running organizations, you're not going to recognize the lists of another organization. Usually not. And so each organization theoretically could have their own world records. Yep, and you can. And what we're going to go through next week is going to be related to this because the topic of next week is single plies bullshit. Yes, and it's, it's a whole episode of bullshit. And it's really not that single plies bullshit. It's really more on all the divisions. And so, you know, you've got umpteen organizations, you've got umpteen divisions, and so you've got umpteen, quote, world records. And then you've got age divisions and weight classes, and so literally everyone gets a trophy. Right. And so 100% Raw is not a big organization. Nope. Uh, this was in the master's female class of 40 to 44. Sometimes we'll have lifters that will come to our meets and ask about records. Mm-hmm. And I'll direct them to the website. And especially for raw and classic raw, those are fairly new. Mm-hmm. We started raw records probably 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. We started classic raw records maybe five years ago. Right. And so we're talking about only records in the state of Illinois mm-hmm. done by Illinois residents. You know, the in equip- Illinois meets. Right, in Illinois meets. The equipped records, man, they go back 30, 40 years. So those yeah. records are, if you break an Illinois state record and equipped, I mean, you've broken something that has some history to it. If you're breaking. Wow, I'm going to go cry about something else now, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> if you've broken a, you know, Illinois state female 40 to 44 record, not that that doesn't mean anything, but it doesn't have as much history to it. And especially when you're talking about a, a small, obscure organization like 100% Raw. So. I know you didn't mean to do this, but Lily holds all those records. <laughs> she holds the female 40 to 44 records? The 40 to 44 pound, yeah. Oh, I said 44 kilo. I meant, age group, yes. Okay, got it. I'm talking age group here, player. <laughs> Sorry, man. They're usually 40 to 45, so. No, it's 40 to 
Is it 40 to 45? I thought it was 45, yeah. No, it's 40 to 44. It's 45 to 49. And 45 to 49. Got it. So nonetheless, we're talking about, quote, world records for 100% raw female masters, 40 to 44, 181 pound weight class. Cut it however you want. So these were, quote, world records. For context, I went to openpowerlifting.org and looked up not all time, but just in 2019, which Mm -hmm. granted it isn't even over, raw female masters 40 to 44, 181 pound class. The squat. All all women. Or all federations. Correct. All federations. Uh, And uh, across the world. Yeah. Because this was, quote, world record. Yep. Squat would have been ranked 29. Nice. Bench would have been ranked four. Okay. Deadlift would have been ranked five. Good for you. And so, granted, we're we're parsing it out for only this year, only raw, raw, raw. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I think 100% raw allows knee sleeves. So I don't think they're raw with wraps. Yep. Masters only in a five year increment and only one into one pound class. So these these weren't even the squat was even a top ranked lift. No. The bench and deadlift were higher ranked lifts. Single digit, I'll give you that. Right. But if I'd included all time on open powerlifting, <laughs> I mean. The squat was barely in the top 100. The bench and deadlift were down like in the top 50. Jeez. So that would have been all time. So when this case kind of came out, I, I at the time I did some research mm-hmm. and that, you know, this individual's lifts, I mean, hey, great for lifting. I congratulate every lifter if they set PRs. Yeah. But in the context of being a big, quote unquote, big deal that Mary Gregory broke these quote records, it was not. It was a, you know, a Federation Masters record right. records. Right. However, Gregory was called for drug testing after the meet. Wah, wah. And they, you know, I think they already knew because if, I think the meet director had stated that they were alerted the night before. It was probably day before WANS. Mm-hmm. They were alerted the day before that this was a possible issue. Mm-hmm. And the president, Paul Bosey, basically said, let the individual lift. We'll deal with it after the meet. There's no reason to, you know, bring attention to them. So sure. I think they probably handled it in the right way. Mm-hmm. I guess they could have said the day before, no, you can't lift. But I, I probably would handle it similarly. I, I don't know. That, that's a difficult thing to handle. It is. And, and yeah, it, it, I, I'm not sure if it's the right or wrong, but I think it's probably for the for the sake of the meat being what it's there for, and that is the the powerlifting experience for all the lifters, that's probably the best, in my view, probably the way to handle it. So Mary Gregory was called for drug testing, and uh, as a result of those, and given that Gregory is a biological male, her results were later disqualified. So the headlines were, you know, trans, mm-hmm. trans female breaks world records. Right. Um, but what actually happened is this individual's lifts were, you know, not world class. A, no, they weren't. A, B, they were invalidated. Right. So I guess we've got two cases here. In both cases, the trans individuals were not allowed to compete at a drug test organization. Right. So I've got one more case we're going to go through. And this one, to me, shows that there is some nuance in the issue. Yeah, this one is. Whenever I think about this issue, this is probably the one that always comes to mind. Honestly, outside of strength sports, this is the one I always think of. Yeah, and this is the one where, to me, makes it, and I said last week we were going to try to handle this, me not with kid gloves, but handle it delicately. Mm -hmm. This is what shows to me that it's not necessarily a black or white issue. So, Castor Semenya, and I might Mm -hmm. be pronouncing her name incorrectly, she is a South African middle distance runner. Mm -hmm. And a very good one. 
Very good. World class. Mm-hmm. Um, what was not discovered until later, and it's it's unclear to me if the mother knew, but the mother might have known at birth that she was uh, what we now call intersexed. Mm-hmm. And it was discovered later, I believe, that she has small internal testes, mm-hmm. was born with XY chromosomes, but was raised as a female and essentially is an intersexed individual. Mm-hmm. And, so, and does have female genitalia as well. Does have female genitalia. Yeah. I, again, I think it's internal testes. Yeah not external male genitalia. Correct. Not that that's super relevant, but I mean, I guess it's... I, I think it is because... Yeah. It, it, continue with the story, and then I'll kind of go into why I feel it is relevant. Sure. So, so she won gold in the t- 2009 World Championships in the 800 meter. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like her first big win. And she was very young at that point, in her, mm-hmm. her early 20s. Yep. Um, after she won the World Championships in 2009, um, it was requested that she have a sex verification test. Yep. The results were private, which was controversial, um, and she was allowed to continue to participate. Mm-hmm. She won the silver medal in the 2012 Olympics, mm-hmm. I believe still in the 800 meter, not that it really matters. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. It was later upgraded. This is one of the more ironic parts of the story to me. Her, I think a, a number of years later, her silver medal was upgraded to a gold medal mm-hmm. after the winner was popped for drug testing. Correct, for her performance-enhancing drugs. Her performance-enhancing <laughs> drugs, and she was definitively a biological female. Right, right. <laughs> it, that, that is humorous. And so my my issue with it, I'm actually going to pull some on Wikipedia to make sure I get this right, is that private test did not remain private. Well, clearly. Yeah. Uh, and, and well, so, as you're looking that up, I'll yep. continue. In 2018, the IAAF, which I believe is the track and field international body, I'm not sure on the acronyms, nonetheless, yeah. they essentially changed the rules on female differences in sex development. Right. And that abnormally high level females would have to take testosterone lowering medication. That's mm-hmm. when the headlines came out is that Semenya was, was told she, and this, I believe it's still in court. You know, it went to court, she appealed, but essentially was ruled that in order to continue to participate in track and field, she was going to have to take testosterone blocking medication. Right. She has since left the sport of track and field and moved to football. Yes. AKA soccer. Yes. So this is one where, you know, when I first heard this story, I thought it was just a female that had high test levels. Like I talked about with my potential college study in Division One female collegiate athletes. But right. You know, she is an individual who is essentially intersexed, but presents and has always lived as a female. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you could argue if we're along the same, you know, Dr. Chris Hunt line of argument that she has had her entire life a higher than average testosterone level. Now, you could also say there are females in general that have, you know, that have no male genitalia, internal, external, or anything. But the like I talked about, the... High-level volleyball players I used to work with, I would say, were probably born with higher than average testosterone levels. And I guess the question becomes, where is the line? Yep. In, in her case, it, that is a very gray line, and it's very – I don't know that I have an answer for her. For others, I have maybe a, a better answer. I don't know that I have a full answer. But I brought this case as part of our look at the – you know, the differing incidents, quote-unquote, in sports mm-hmm. because this one does show that there's some nuance there. Yeah, and, and while it does, I also feel that in in Castor's case, it that's truly the anomaly to be an, an elite level athlete with with that exact set of circumstances. It, it is very very unique, and yeah. statistically, someone 
an when we're talking about trans athletes, and it's often brought up by perhaps activists, mm -hmm. the the intersexed individuals that say, hey, there are individuals who do present male and female, you know, sex characteristics. Yep. However, most of the individuals, and I can tell you that J.C. Cooper and Mary Gregory, I do not believe are intersex. I could be no, wrong, but I don't, I, believe, I don't so. believe so. And 90 plus percent of the individuals that we're, we'd be talking about that are trans individuals, I don't believe are intersexed. Right. I, so that is truly the exception rather than the rule. Mm -hmm. And, I and don't, then on top of that, to be an elite level athlete. Right. I mean, it's to me, it's the argument like, well... You know, 99% of people are born with two legs. So generally speaking, you could consider humans bipedal, correct? Correct. There are individuals born with only one leg. Yep. So can we not call ourselves and, bipedal? And there's some born with three. <laughs> oh, God. Bad dad joke. What are you... What, man? Deformities and stuff. Man. Oh, sure, sure. Chern oh, Chernobyl. Oh, oh well, yeah, sure. What uh, were you thinking? Uh, I was thinking of another bad dad joke. <laughs> A third leg. You're disgusting. You disgust me. Oh, yeah. Now, now you're the dirty old man. I, I disgust you. You disgust me, sir. Wow. I'm offended. So. I'm go protest on the platform in a couple <laughs> weeks. So these, these, you know, cases and rulings on trans individuals. So to me, let's get down to. We have to find a common frame of reference before we could even dive into what we think about these issues. The first yes. one to me is is there a difference? between biological sex and gender. And, and is this the rhetorical question we're asking, or are we going to try to answer that today? Because that could be, I mean, that could be a two-hour show by itself. Correct. Um, but if you're looking for hot takes, which I can do that. Sure. I don't see one. Sure. With, with gender and biological sex. Now, gender identity, I see, is different than gender. And so I would say in the... The, with the word of the question, no, there is not a difference. So I guess the question is, what is gender? And if I, I would think the, the manner in which many individuals who view trans athletes as should be included in all sports, mm -hmm. I think they're more viewing gender identity, gender as you stated as gender identity, as okay. your identity. Right. Okay. So to me, I, if you're viewing it in that way, sure, there's a difference between biological sex and gender identity. Sure. Then the question is, what does gender identity even mean? And how, and how do we set the the definition? And I know people don't want to hear this, but the boundaries around it, there has to be some some line somewhere. Right, and that goes back to my original question after we talked about the IOC mm -hmm. changing their definition of whom can compete. Right. You know, how what does it mean to transition? Correct. I don't have answers for all these, but these are questions. So... The next question is one that is, to me, is fundamental. And if we can't come to an agreement on this, and I'm using we, not you and I, but just yep. as in the general sense. No, we'll, we'll find the, afterwards. It's fine. In the rhetorical sense, uh, is there an inherent difference between men and women when it comes to sports performance? I, there are some that will say there is not. I can clearly tell you when you look at, I mean, literally any record of sports performance, whether that is endurance, it is strength, it is accuracy. There is a, a very big difference in the performance of men and women. And it does, you know, come down to testosterone levels many times because those are directly correlated with those things I just described. Speed, strength, everything. Right. And this is one where I will give an answer. I think, yes, there's a difference. And especially when we're talking about 
sports performance, and we're talking about elite. So we're talking about Olympic yes. level athletes. I'm not, at, I'm not talking about you right. know a Crystal Tate versus your average Joe walking down the street. She's going to smoke him every day. But uh, Crystal per- versus Hoff. Right, precisely. We're talking yeah. about the elite. So on average, men and women are probably more alike than they're different. Yeah. But when we're talking about at the extremes, at the elite levels of athletes, mm-hmm. I mean, clearly there's a difference between men and women. Otherwise, why would we have differing categories for men and women? And there is a reason why there is a NBA and a WNBA. There, there, it, it's, it does come down. There is a difference. Right. And if we can't come to detente on that issue, the, everything else we're going to talk about is kind of irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's people that are going to say, no, there isn't a difference. And I'm going to kind of get to that what about isms. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next question is, you know, let's, let's say we agree that men and women are inherently different when it comes to sports performance and especially strength. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about powerlifting. How should powerlifting separate in divisions, quote, males and quote, females? Mm-hmm. Should it be via biological sex? Or should it be via gender? And so, that goes back to my question, what is gender? Yeah. What is gender identity? And, and in my view, it, it's, it, it is significantly simpler in a non-tested federation. Because then it, it really is, oh, where do you identify? And, and in that case, you, you can kind of enter as, as you please. As you get into the tested federations, that's where I, I don't have a great answer because... If you are a trans individual, either way, you, you are, by stepping on the platform, you're inherently violating their rules because you are on hormone replacements, you are on, you're, you're on drugs. And so I, I just, that there's where I, I just have a lot of problem. Sure. Like, uh, there, like there is a place for you to compete. Why do you insist on competing in a place that sure. their very rule says, no, you shouldn't be, be able to compete here? Right, but that is a fundamental question because people say, should trans females or trans males be able to compete in XYZ Federation? I guess that, that when you break it down, that's the question. How do we separate, quote, males and, quote, females? Mm-hmm. Is it via gender identity? And then that's the next question. How does one determine and how do you tra- how does one determine their gender slash gender identity, mm-hmm. which some might even consider separate, but we'll just yep. say, yep. just let's just leave it at gender. And then if you've transitioned from whatever your biological sex is to a different gender, what does it mean to transition? And how do you define that? Yeah, that standard is, is very, very important. We, we talked about the IOC standard. Mm-hmm. And I think even if you look at that, we looked at the testosterone levels. They're allowing under 10, what is it, nanomoles per liter. Mm-hmm. Per and, year. Right, right. And for a year, we're only talking about one year of your life. Mm -hmm. So let's back up just a little bit. There's a rule in the AAPF, which is, I would say, ostensibly unenforceable Mm -hmm. because it's impossible unless you did go back to last week when we talked about lie detector tests. But the rule technically states that in order to compete AAPF, you have to have been off anabolic steroids for five years. Mm -hmm. And we've had lifters that have been off for up to 18 months. So they've claimed to me. And still have failed the test. Wrong. If you're on an oil-based anabolic, sometimes it might take up to a year to completely clear out of your system. Now, there's also guys that are taking stuff right up until the test and are able to clear out of their system and pass the test. Test with the test. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So taking anabolic steroids and transitioning, is that totally the same? Well, it's not totally different. 
and we're, we're that policy shows that you know we're recognizing that if you've taken steroids mm-hmm. as a male or a female, and then you stop taking them, your your level of strength is going to be different. Now it's not going to be what it was when you were on, correct? But it is plausibly changed for at least a long period of time. The AAPF has identified that as five years. Okay. I would say in general, it might have changed you for good. Yeah. I I mean... The the... gains that you've made, and let's just think about powerlifting as a really central nervous system engaged sports. Mm -hmm. You've handled a thousand pounds in the squat now. Mm -hmm. And so even though your strength levels of your legs and your back and your hips only are capable of doing 800 now. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't feel as heavy as it did because you've already handled 1,000 when you were, you know, taking a gram a week. Right. And now you're off and you're, quote, natty. Mm-hmm. But it's plausible. <laughs> that, and that's why there's some federations. Fatty natties. There's some federations. Again, how do you even enforce this? They have lifetime free, lifetime drug-free divisions. Get out of here with that. Seriously. NASA. No, oh, yeah, there's another just, one. Y- just no. Just no. NASA has a lifetime drug-free division. I, I get you, but for that I'm, just, reason. I'm just saying, like, you, right. you can't enforce that. It's unenforceable. It completely. Anyway. So, yeah, that, that that's where it comes up, you know, and, and we go back to our USAPL's doctor, you know, mm-hmm. Dr. Chris Hunt, talking mm-hmm. about that he believes there's an inherent advantage to having testosterone as a male from gestation on and definitively from puberty on. Yeah. You know, that's oh, when it God. really has a strong, strong impact. I mean, look at a male prior to puberty, and then look at him 18 months later, you will see a completely, he's here. Oh, yeah. You will see, I mean, if they're in the weight room, the changes in their strength levels will be unbelievable. The it's, changes it's astounding. Their, their changes in their speed and strength are unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you've talked to lifters that have used anabolic steroids, they would tell you that your first cycle is always your best one and try to maximize that oh, one. Yeah. And that when you first get that, first dose mm-hmm. that man the gains just you can barely keep up with them right i mean the, the just everything about it is just it's it's puberty times 10 sure and you're definitely some guys are using the puberty, puberty time, levels puberty of tests times, times 10 yep yep so one and it, here's the fundamental question is it fair for a biological male who has transitioned and again to me it's somewhat ambiguous what, quote, transitioning means. But let's say they've transitioned. Yep, is it fair for that individual to compete against a biological drug-free female? That's the fundamental question. And to me, the answer is no. It, it, it is not. There is because they've had a lifetime. And here's the thing. like You, you look at, I mean, some people have been on, on cycles of, te- of you know, performance-enhancing drugs for 40 years. Cool. You have somebody who transitions, they've not been on a cycle. They've, they've, it's been free in their system for 40 years. And they transition. You know, they hit the standard of what transitioning is, right? It, it, there's there's going to be a difference even on top of that. Let's go back to our our the levels for an average male and average female mm-hmm. of testosterone. Yep. Average male, 9.2 to 31.8 nanomoles per liter versus the average female is 0.3 to 2.4. So some quick math. 31.8 divided by 2.4. That is 13 times. It's more than 10x. Right. So, and that's just the average. So if we're talking about, you know, your elite level male athlete, theoretically, you probably have higher levels of test. And we're not talking about, you know, extra, extra, like, uh, no, you know, we're just performance. Nat- just naturally, high, I mean, 
Eric, you, you've been an athlete most of your life. I would say you're probably better than the average Joe walking down the street. My gut tells me you're probably closer to the 31 than the, the 9. Right, and the, your high-level Olympic athletes are probably higher than that. Yeah, I mean, 50? And, and, and granted, the higher females are as well. Right. But the higher females and the higher-level males... But are they going to approach, realistically, are they, gonna, are they even going to approach the 30? Never. No. Never naturally. No. And... And I think that's where you, you get to do it. I don't think anybody disagrees that testosterone produces strength, speed, higher bone, like everything that is going into the idea of sports. Even think about bone structure. Yeah. You know, the, the structure of bones. That's not changing if you go, if you if you use hormone replacement therapy, transition right. from male to a female. Right. So the counter argument, Bane, is that there are, quote, many differences that determine sports performance. There's more than, testosterone is not the only thing. There are leverages, there's sure. bone structures, there is training, there is economic factors. There are. There's a myriad of things that can determine your strength. So It, it is nature and nurture, I get it. And, and But well, that would still, be the whataboutisms. Yeah, but it's still a big part. Right. <laughs> so. well, and to me, yes, there are many varying differences that can determine your strength. And actually an episode that I would love to talk about, Bane, is mm-hmm. strength. Powerlifting is not a t- contest of who is the strongest. It is not. It simply is not. Strength is probably the most important component, mm-hmm. but it is not the only one. And Ricky Dale Crane, one of my mentors, talks about that powerlifting is one-third st- one strength, one-third technique, and one-third meat presence. You know, your ability to choose attempts and your ability to navigate the meet. Okay. You know, I mean, you could be super strong, but if your technique is terrible, you can't demonstrate that strength on the platform. Yeah. If you choose terrible attempts and you only get your opener, sure, you might have been stronger than the guy next to you, but he won because he chose better attempts and he has better technique. Or you just choke at the meet. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so that's presence. Yeah, no, I, I get that. That's meat presence. That's, no, I, I, I totally, I, I would agree that it is a combination of those three things. But if you fundamentally believe that males and females, there is an inherent difference when it comes to natural sports performance, Mm -hmm. and you believe we should actually have, this is a question, if you don't believe there's a difference, do you believe we should have women's sports? And should we just have an open gendered category for all sports? The answer might be yes for some people if they don't believe there's a difference between males and females. But I can tell you, as someone who's been around sports my entire life, Mm -hmm. And someone who's seen the gains, even in my lifetime, mm-hmm. of Title IX's transforming effect on high school and collegiate athletics for females. Yes. There are more females who have opportunities in sports and opportunities for scholarships to go to college. Oh, my gosh, yeah. In the last 30 years than you know, the previous millennia combined. Yes. If you decided that there was no inherent difference between males and females, and let's say we just made all sports an open-gendered category, you would see the end of female athletics. Correct. You, you 100% would. And that doesn't mean that I, you know, that in and of itself means you shouldn't let trans females compete, but it, it does get down to the, the fundamental question of, is there a difference between males and females, and should there be a separation in the way in which they compete? Yeah, and, and that's that's an important question. I'm, I I don't have a great answer for the the all the the all or nothing argument, but it's I mean at the end of the day, like there is the the difference, and so you you've got to have some separation there. 
Sure. So that begs the question, and maybe I think what you're leaning towards, Bain, and I would say I do as well, is that in if a, if a federation, if an organization is truly, quote, drug-free, and they're drug-tested, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just their policy, um, you know, the USAPL just flat-out states, if you're a trans athlete, you can't compete there. Yeah. At the end of the day, the USAPL is a, they're, I mean, they're a non-for-profit, but they're a business, they're an organization, and they, they even state they're not for everybody. If you're a male on HRT, yeah. if you're uh, someone that wants to take performance-enhancing drugs for mm-hmm. just recreational reasons, if you want to complete in multiply gear, yeah. you can't compete in the USAPL. They don't offer that. Yeah. And so it's not, they don't try. If you want to wear knee wraps. Right. And they come, that's one of the things I do like about what they do is they come right out and say, we're not, we don't try to offer everything to everybody and the simplicity of what they offer yeah. in their service. It's a simple product. It's a, we offer drug tested, single ply and raw lifting. Yep. That's it. Yep. And they had 1300 lifters at their meet a few weeks ago. They did. They did. But they, they state they are not for everybody. So then there's the question is, well, is there a place for trans athletes in powerlifting? There's a lot of them. There, there is a ton of opportunity for trans athletes. It is, it, in, I mean, every non-tested federation has an opportunity for a trans athlete. Well, sure, that's the next question. In non-tested federations, mm-hmm. so let's say like the APF, and I, not that I'm some kind of savant, but mm-hmm. I started talking about this issue to our office manager in the APF, Amy Jackson, mm-hmm. at least three years ago. I started bringing up that this was going to be an issue that was going to be facing powerlifting. And I wasn't like fear-mongering. I was just stating that as an organization, we should keep our ears to the ground and we should... Because it's a societal thing too. It's, it's something that's going on in society. And I said it, it was only a matter of time before the transgender, quote, issue came to powerlifting because it had come to other sports. And sure enough, in this last year, it kind of blew up with, especially the two cases we talked about. Right. And so the question is for federations that don't drug test, you know, is it okay for a transitioned individual to compete? So uh, let's, let's deal with the first example. Okay, we've got, quote, enhanced females. Mm-hmm. Is it okay for them to compete against male to female trans athletes? So essentially, a, the two individuals we talked about earlier, uh, we had J.C. Cooper and we had Mary Gregory. Right. Do we think it's okay for them to compete in a non-tested federation against females that could, although may not be, but could be, quote, enhanced? In in my view, yes, because they are, if you look at the spirit of the competition, which is the the strength athletes and, you know, what the they are allowed and or not allowed to take uh, as far as supplementation, they fall within those rules. And, and so I believe that, you know, in this case, because they are falling within those rules, now you get into the the idea of gender identity, and, and so it, it then becomes the identify as male, identify as female, and you move forward from there. That 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 is how I have always viewed it when when this started to come up was, you know, there there are non tested federations. You you hit their rules, you're good to go, and and then you just choose where where do I fall? I'm you know in my case I'm a cis male, so I compete against others who identify as male. And then if somebody says, hey, I'm a female, what, you know, wherever their biological stands, it doesn't matter. They compete against females. Sure. And, but here would be the issue. And I, I'd say generally I agree. And mm-hmm. this is not the policy of the APF, and I'm not speaking for the APF. I'm speaking this whole podcast for Eric Stone and Eric Stone only. 
Uh, but generally, I would agree. Sure, shit don't speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> I would generally agree with that, but the only potential issue, and, and I'm always thinking about worst, not worst case scenarios, but take whatever you're talking about and take it to the nth degree. Yeah, the what ifs, I get Right, it. the what ifs, because as a meat director and someone who's an official, I've faced a lot of, you know, what ifs. Uh, we don't test in a, and they don't test in non-tested federations. Oh, they're testing. And we've already established that what it, what defines transitioning is at least somewhat ambiguous. Some mm-hmm. might say it's definitive, but to me, there's at least some ambiguity there in what it means to transition. Does it mean just identification, mm-hmm. stating it, changing legal documents, or does it mean some kind of medical procedure? Sure. Since we don't test what's to stop a male who just decides to identify as a female to compete against other females, I would say it's pretty unlikely for this to happen. Sure. Let's let's be honest. It's unlikely. Uh, but it's, it's 2019, almost 2020, you never but know. But it could be. And, you know, I, I guess the argument would be, why would that person do it? Well, I mean, I don't know. To win a plastic trophy? Yeah. To break records? I mean, you, well, guys, you guys give out good trophies. Man, to be <laughs> well, let's bring up the, the most notable example in powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jean Marie Kraslowski, yeah. who was Matt Kraslowski. Yep. Literally one of the strongest male powerlifters in the world. Yep. When this individual was a male mm-hmm. at his peak and was, I don't know, I would say it's reasonable to assume he was on performance enhancing drugs, maybe still is to some degree. In some sense, yeah. Would it be fair for Croc in her current form as Jean Marie to compete against enhanced females. She has not, and stated she probably won't, Mm -hmm. but I know from reading her writings, she's an advocate that trans females should be able to compete against biological females. And in, in non-tested federations, I'm, I'm in agreement with that because it's, it's, I understand it is still not a level playing field, but generally speaking, when you're taking performance answers, it's just not a level playing field. You just happen to have access to the same things. You're not going to get tested for it. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. And, and generally speaking, powerlifting is just not a level playing field. To your point, there are a lot of things that go into it. It doesn't matter necessarily just you know your test levels. It is going to be leverages. It's going to be everything else. And so as level as it can be, I feel that is where, uh, where those who are transitioning from male to female, uh, it is best suited for them to compete. Sure. I generally agree. I do believe that if Jean-Marie Kurzlowski mm-hmm. decided to compete again in powerlifting as a female, mm-hmm. it would be controversial. And whether I, would, that, I would guarantee that. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't have an answer, but I can guarantee it would be controversial. But um, I would also love to see it. it. It would certainly be interesting. Yeah, I just, I, because I, the, the more people on the platform in general, I, I like that. What and if, what if Croc decided to come back and compete in the WPO as a female? I'll spot him. Her, sorry. So on the other side, probably the less controversial, your female to male trans athletes. Yeah, this doesn't get as much press, like at all, actually. Um, in, it, in general, it would seem that probably, since they are on performance enhancing, essentially, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's HRT for them, but yeah. it's the same drugs that, that dudes are taking for performance enhancement. Yep. And I would say, again, if we're following along the same logic, probably not the best idea to compete against tested males, but against, quote, enhanced males, to me, there's no issues. No. And, and you know, to be frank. And most males would have no issue with that. No. No, they really, really do not. And uh, generally speaking, 
really no one's going to have an issue and there's not going to be headlines. There's not going to be, you know, newspaper articles at all. And let's be honest, because even an enhanced female in 99% of the cases is not going to be able to compete against the high-level enhanced males. Correct. They're just not. And that's essentially the, it's 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 a similar, you know, process when you're talking about enhanced females and females on performance enhancing drugs versus females that are transitioning from female to male. Correct. It, it's it's the same type of it's the same type of quote treatment. Right. I mean, there there could be some other things going on. There could be some top surgery. Yeah. You know, there's some things. Th- that there happen. could be some other things that go on there. Um, but you know, the process is very very similar. I would say. Yeah, and and to give you you know some context on how that might look, you know a a very good friend of mine, uh, you know when I met uh, female and transitioned to and surgery HRT the whole whole thing uh, transitioned as uh, probably year and a half ago ish, and at the time was actually ranked as one of the top five amateur strong women in the world. Uh, I. Traveled uh, with her at that time, uh, you know, to various strongman competitions, uh, competed the Arnold a couple times, you know, so very high-level strong woman. And uh, in his home state's uh, state competition, uh, he ended up placing in the middleweights, or lightweights, I'm sorry, uh, fourth out of five, and that's because the fifth person dropped out for, with injury. And this the the difference in the delta in, you know, where – he is now versus where he was, it's it's almost not even a conversation. In both cases, were they non-tested organizations? Correct. U.S. Strongman. Yeah, I don't, don't, I'm not not sure. Are there any Strongman organizations that are tested, to be honest with you? Not that I'm aware of. Because I know USS is not. No. I know that Strongman Corporation leading into the World's Strongest Man, I don't believe is either. No. It's interesting that that sport basically has no drug testing. Powerlifting, and, and what's funny is this is just not talked about because remember when ESPN had the article that the mountain took performance station drugs and average people lost their mind and right. everybody else is like and in other news water is wet, right? <laughs> when you don't, well, it's just like when you would talked about baseball and Barry Bonds and uh, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, right? It's like, well, they weren't drug testing, so what did you expect, right? And and why is why are you mad at them when it wasn't against the rules? Well, it's a round ball, a round bat. Steroids aren't going to help that. Wrong. Wrong. Barry Bond's 73 home runs would say differently. And and here, here okay, so I, I just got to say this about performance enhancing and baseball specifically. This holier-than-thou attitude, I would never take that. Y- you know what? There wasn't a quarter-billion-dollar contract sitting across the table from you. Right. Eric, um, Eric Stone, I slide that contract. I say, you're going to stick this needle in your butt, and you're going to go play ball, and you're gonna we're going to pay you a quarter-billion-dollars. You might think about it, but you're not going to think very long, I'm guessing. Well, and again, when they're not drug testing, what, right. do, you, what do you expect? And even if they are, you're still going to give it a lot of thought. Oh, oh, well, definitely. Well, <laughs> That's a yeah. lot of money. Right. They drug test in the NFL. They drug test in basically all – they drug test in baseball now. They yeah. drug test in every major sport. Right. That doesn't mean there aren't individuals that are taking. They drug test in the IPF. Yeah. And lifters get popped all the time. Drug so, tests don't mean drug-free, kids. <laughs> right. So the next question is, I think we, you and I are maybe in agreement um, that trans athletes probably have a place in non-tested federations. Just, you know, and we think about it in the APF, AAPF. Sure, if you want to compete in one of our meets, if you're a trans athlete, athlete excuse me, mm-hmm. probably not a good idea for you to try to compete AAPF. I would agree. And if you want to compete APF, probably fine. 
Yeah. And I, uh, we have not had this come up yet. I have stated it's probably going to come at some point. I know I get a lot of questions via email from lifters. I'm yeah. surprised I haven't gotten it yet. But at this point, until the policy is, you know, stated otherwise, that's probably how I would answer and probably what, make, to me, makes the most sense. Uh, and I'm in, I'm in agreement with that. That, that to me, makes the most Because here's the thing. You, you don't, I don't want to say, and I never would say this, that there's no place in strength sports for the trans athlete because there definitely is. And, and it's just, it's, it's not the USAPL. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it's just sure. not. Well, and, well, although here's the next question. And if you look at, if you just Google USAPL trans athlete policy, you can read their entire policy mm-hmm. and they've got a, they've got an FAQ at the bottom. And one of them is, you know, why not add a third gender category for trans athletes? And Good. their answer basically is, well, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but they say, you know, there's the LGBTQ or gay games mm-hmm. and they have basically talked and they have powerlifting at those. Mm-hmm. Um, they have talked about adding a third, you know, gender neutral category. Right. And although those, uh, those, the USAPL would state, you know, they don't follow IPF slash USAPL drug testing policy. Mm-hmm. It is basically a non-sanctioned event and they don't drug test. So um, there's a gay games. There is. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. This is like a party. I don't want to go. <laughs> uh, I believe they were in, because I, I have looked them up before. Uh, I believe that they were in Europe, maybe Britain at one point, and they do have powerlifting as part of them. I'm finding Gay Games 2020. I want to see where that's at. I'm, I am intrigued now. Yeah, there is. And I believe that they have talked about, you know, and maybe at their next, they would have a, you know, a non a gender neutral category. So should we add that at, at our powerlifting meets? Here's the issue. I would say... And going into next week's episode, when I'm talking about single plies bullshit, the yeah. basic premise of that episode, you know, here's a preview. There's too many divisions. That's the preview. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly what this would be. It's another division. And right. Uh, yeah. A. I, I, there's already too many divisions. I don't want to add any more. Yeah. B. I think if you would ask those individuals, I don't think they would want to compete gender no. neutral. No, I don't they think don't they be singled out like that. They don't want to be singled out. And most of them. I mean, you have. Again, I think if you look at it overall, when we're talking about trans individuals, we are talking about a small minority of individuals. It is. When you're talking about individuals who are not only trans, but are maybe don't identify as one gender or the other, that are, yeah. quote, non-binary. Now we're talking gender about... Gender fluid. And... Sure. I mean, that's a whole other topic. But now we're talking about an even smaller percentage of a small percentage. Mm-hmm. And those individuals are probably not competing in powerlifting if I had to make a guess. Most are not. And and here's the thing. If they are, you know what they want? Inclusion. Sure. Not separation. I think you're right. But I guess if somebody is, quote, gender neutral, then how can I fit into male or female in your meat? But again, we're talking about a, a, a minute percentage of a small percentage of individuals that would even compete in powerlifting. And, and, and I then think- it, goes ba- it goes back to my point of, okay, so are you doing this because you want to compete or because you just want attention? If you want attention, go on Instagram. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. <that's, laughs> no, that, no, that, no. That is first Robert, second opinion. That is not Eric Stone. That is not the APF. That is me. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. So I, have those disclaimers. Like that is the question. And that, that is what's that is a that is a proposal. To be fair, that many have offered for the USAPL mm-hmm. and others is, you know, should we have a third category? But the issue is, do we have a third category for both, you know, female to male trans athletes and male to female? So or we do have we, a third and fourth. Or do we need two more gender categories? Do we need a 
a female trans category and a male trans category. And now do we need raw, classic raw, single ply, oh, and multiply, and then we God. need age divisions, and then we need weight classes. And then how do we do the weight classes? Are we going to combine all of them, or are we going to make them the female ones or make them male ones, or we have their own individual ones? And then are we going to have police and fire? I mean, how are we going to do this, Eric? Right. Now, this is a great, uh, great transition. <laughs> hey! Great transition to next week's topic it of is. single ply is bullshit. Any any final thoughts on this, Bane? I think we've handled this as probably as delicately as we possibly could, and I've I've tried to stay as uh, neutral as I can and just ask questions. I do have str- I probably have stronger opinions than I'm stating today, but I wanted to try to handle it again, not with kid gloves, but handle it with with care and with mm-hmm. as you said, as with facts and with laying out what the questions are. Yep. Prior to hey it should definitely be this or, hey, it definitely should be that. What I think needs to happen on this issue is you really need to go down to the base and break down the issues, Mm -hmm. uh, break down the fundamental issues. Like I talked about, is there a difference between males and females? What does it mean to transition? What does gender mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, these are basic, you know, definition questions, but if you don't have those definitions or if you don't have even thought about what the definition of those things could be. You don't have a jumping off point it's, at that point. It's going to be hard to come to a conclusion. I, I agree with that. You know, obviously, I, I I probably said a few things that may offend some people, and, and I'm very okay with that. At me, at Main316. And and part of that, too, is because I, I, my my issue with a lot of folks who bring up bring this up that maybe are, are not part of the LGBTQ community, because I am not. I, I am not a part of that community. I, I mean... Full support of them. I think they're, you know, that community is some of the most wonderful people I've ever met. Some of the least judgmental, some of the funnest, and and in some cases, some of the strongest. You know, one of my favorite lifters that lives here in the Chicagoland area, um, you know, is is uh, is gay, and, and I love watching him lift. And you know, m- my thing is that don't make the cause of a minority your reason for attention. If you're actually saying, "Hey, I want to help." Look for other ways to do it besides just drawing attention for, to yourself. Now, you may just vicariously do so, but just it's a tough line to toe, and I, and I feel like a lot of people don't try to do this. Like, hey, look at me. I'm doing good. And and that, to me, is... is virtue signaling, perhaps? Huge virtue about? signaling. Huge virtue signaling. And it, just, it drives me nuts when I see that. And this is a... I think a lot of people, especially the Minnesota meet, saw an opportunity to do that and versus actually call real attention to what they thought was a, was a major issue. And by the way, the meet director, again, I chatted with him a little bit online mm-hmm. afterward because he <clears> wanted <throat> to know if the APF had a policy on trans athletes. And sure. as of right now, we do not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, although I have encouraged the executive committee to discuss it, we kind of have. I don't know that we've come to a decision because, you know, there's it's some a tough old, one, man. It's tough. And here's the problem. Once you state a policy, you're going to piss somebody off. Yep. There, there's no there's no policy you could state that wouldn't piss somebody off. If you said trans athletes are allowed in APF, but not APF, it's likely that's probably the least controversial. But that's probably going to piss some people off that yep. you're allowing any trans athletes. Well, no, I can't get those APF records. That's bullshit. <laughs> right. If you say that trans athletes aren't allowed at all, like the USAPL, you're definitely going to piss off some people. Yep. And if you say, well, yeah, you can compete in whatever gender category you want, even tested, certainly you're going to anger some people who... And then if you create a whole separate division, you're going to piss off some people. Right. So basically, you're in a lose-lose scenario, which is why we, we, the APF, have probably not had a written policy as to current, although I... 
I have stated we probably should continue to have a dialogue and see what happens in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's the thing. If we were talking about Olympic weightlifting, I think this would be a trickier topic. Yeah. Powerlifting is unique. We talked about last week the alphabet soup of powerlifting. But in that same token, even though it can be confusing, even though there's a lot of, quote, world records, and even though there's a lot of divisions like we're going to talk about next week, it does provide that flexibility that they're no matter how you want to compete or who you are, there probably is a place for you to compete. Yep. And so even though you can't compete in the USAPL as a trans individual, I guarantee you there are other organizations that would be happy to take your money and would be happy to have you come lift. Like in the individual of J.C. Cooper was able to compete USPA. They were happy to snatch that individual up and have oh, him compete yeah. in their meet and They made a that. big deal out of it. Right. There are other sports where... There might only be one organization, and weightlifting would be the closest comparison. Mm-hmm. If I had the means and I had the expertise, I would start a non-tested weightlifting federation. How much fun would that be? Because there is only one weightlifting organization, essentially. There is only USA Weightlifting. There apparently was a guy in Texas mm-hmm. who was a former Olympic weightlifting promoter for USA Weightlifting that started a small non-tested organization. But in weightlifting... Let's say that USA Weightlifting adopted the same uh, policy as USA Powerlifting. Mm -hmm. That would essentially restrict trans individuals from competing in the sport of weightlifting. Yep. And there is no no alternative for weightlifting. It's USA Weightlifting, and that is it. Now, it's a small niche sport, even smaller than powerlifting. Yep. Because it's even... You know, it's even more technical, and you you really do need to be working out in a facility that has specialized bumper plates and bars, yep. and a place that'll let you throw weights down. Yeah, and certainly not two XL. Way more technical. Um, but if you want to take drugs, if you want to take performance yeah. enhancing drugs, or if you want to be a trans individual, you're essentially out of weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting. Yeah, or you try to you know try to get around the drug test, which would never happen, of course. No one ever does that. No one ever does that in weightlifting. You would never catch me on those. Right, right, never. So I do think powerlifting is probably the wrong hill to to, to put your to put your flag on probably. to protest because probably. you know when you have Congress people saying that USA weight like USA powerlifting is a you know a, a trans exclusionary and a, a, a you know a, a discriminatory up. organization. That's what I would to said Congressperson. Shut up. To me, they're, they're political grandstanding. Exactly. To, you know, appeal to a specific group of individuals. Yeah. Was it an election year for that person? Because 20 bucks says it was. Right. So powerlifting is a sport where I think in technicality and practicality, you can compete as a trans individual. 100%. We can want you, you to. It'd be can, awesome. Can you compete tested? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. No. So. no. I think we've probably said our piece on that one, Bane. I'll it's, say I'll say one more thing that'll probably piss some people off. Okay, as so, I say, this episode has not been as strong and angry as others. At least so, not on my part. So, what do you think is is a higher number? The number of uh, genders that college students identify, or how many uh, powerlifting federations there are? <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm gonna pass on answering that one. <laughs> Although, uh, if you'd like, there's a video online currently where... Uh, That's the reason I asked this, by right, the way. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Where an interviewer asked college student how many genders there were. And you could go ahead and find that video online on the Instas or on the YouTubes. 
And you can see what college students think how many genders billions are. Billions and billions and billions and billions. Uh, by the way, at Georgie Down on the Gram says, uh, you need to come up with new jokes other than your, your Trump impressions. My response was, uh, I mean, what's his name, uh, has been going on SNL every week for like three years. Yeah, so Alec Baldwin's been doing it. And Georgie, if you want to say that, and come say it to my face. Kiss these hands. There. There's my jokes. <laughs> That's not a joke. That's just a call out. <laughs> Love it, Georgie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else to add, Bane? That's all I got, man. Okay. Well, next week, we're going to go mm, at least less politically uh, controversial, but something that I've been saying around this gym for a while and something some of my teammates say I should make into a T-shirt, and that is single-ply is bullshit. Single-ply is, in fact, bullshit, kids. We'll leave it at that, and we'll get on that next week, Bane. So this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger. <laughs>